Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would K Say? I am your host, K Edwards. How are all my blessed and highly favored people doing today? I know I am doing fabulous as always, but you know what I realized? August has five Sundays. I was trying to figure out, oh my gosh, what is the next word of the month going to be? Thinking that today was the last Sunday of August. But I have one more Sunday to think about that, right? Before it comes and I have to do it in September. Isn't that a blessing? Thank you, Lord. But you know what? Not that I was too concerned because God always gives me what the word should be anyway. So I don't know why I was sitting here trying to figure it out. He's going to give it to me when it's time for me to know. But before I begin today's show, here's a word from our sponsor. Radio Free Brooklyn is sponsored in part by My Choice Pharmacy. Offering little or no cost medical braces. For more information, call 844-598-6639. So today we will continue our series. Now, I didn't know that it was going to become a series when I started, but it seems that it has. So we will continue our lessons on relationships. Those of you that tune in every Sunday know that we began our journey in the garden. We learned what it meant to be a coworker. As we continued on our journey, we learned what it meant to have a sibling and to be a sibling because we could be either one from the examples that was given. And now today we are going to look at what it takes to be in a committed relationship. God's definition of a committed relationship, which will help us to understand or at least try to understand the family unit as a whole. And if you missed any of my shows, you can find them on Spotify, on iTunes, and on my show page at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. So today's lesson is titled, All in the Family Part 2, Apples Don't Fall Far. In order for us to begin the process of understanding the family unit, we have to begin at the beginning, right? we must look at the family from the top down. In this way, we can see how the family unit works and its functions. What each member was specifically assigned to do by God, depending on the position that they hold within the family unit. We will look at who the major players are and how they are the people who will influence how the family lives and breathes. They are also responsible for how the instructions are instilled into each member so that when the time is right, the air quote apples will be able to start their own family unit using what they have learned as a model. Hmm. Interesting. So we will begin with husbands and wives. And we see that in Ephesians, the first set of instructions given 
was given to the wife. God says through his servant Paul in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, 22 to 24, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, I know reading those scriptures might have offended some people. But can I tell you that I am not here to offend anyone? That is never my intention. My intention is to only give you the truth and then you can work out your own salvation and understanding concerning that truth. My question to you at this moment is, for those of you who might have been offended, ask yourself, why do these words offend you? What part of the scripture bothered you when you heard it? Now, once you have asked yourself those questions, give yourself time to examine where those thoughts and feelings are coming from. It could be from a past relationship that didn't work out the way you wanted it to. It could be that you were a witness to an injustice of some sort that happened within your family unit growing up, right? And those words that I spoke didn't mirror what you saw, right? When you have begun the process of digging deeper into your own thoughts, then you can figure out why it resonates with you in the way that it does. There is always something more going on when you hear something be, that is being said and you find it offensive, right? Not that it's not offensive. It could very well be offensive. But in any case, when you find something that's offensive that's being said, just examine yourself. Well, why do I find that offensive, right? One example, I'll just give you an example, right? A person that's short, a person that's short that is called short. Now, some people embrace their height, right? Basking in the truth that, hey, this is the person that God made. This is the size that God created me to be. But then you have others that are short, right? And they are short. But if you tell them or refer to them as being short, like, oh, how tall are you? Like 4'11"? Oh, no, I'm five feet. Okay, 4'11", five feet. That's still in the realm of being considered short. But I just say that to say, there are some people who are adamant about no, no, no. And then there's other that's like, eh, 411, I don't know. This is my height. So I'm just saying, I didn't say those words. I'm just reading the scripture and we're going through the family unit. And now some of this, that's, I'm sure that's not going to be the only scriptures that offend some people, but we have more to get into, right? So it is with this word, right? That some women become offended right? With the word submit, and especially when placed in reference to their husbands. Hmm. When you submit, you are in fact accepting, you're accepting and yielding to a superior force or to the authority and will of another person. Just as when I pointed out in the garden in Genesis, right? The woman was created to be a helpmate to the man. 
They were supposed to work together. But can I suggest to you that in order to for two people to work together, in this case, as a family unit, the wife is supposed to submit to the husband. And here is why I believe this is true. Because not only is the wife supposed to submit to the husband, but the husband is supposed to submit to God. Oh, men, did you really think that you were going to get away with not having to submit to someone? Yes, the man is supposed to submit to God. Right? Then he is then going to receive instructions from the Lord of how to govern the family. So this is the reason why ladies have to submit to their husbands, because if the husband is submitting to the Lord, receiving instructions for the family, right? Then how else is she going to get the instructions if she's not listening to him? When the man receives the instructions, he is then supposed to pass the instructions on to his wife. This is how everyone is able to be on the same page, working towards the same family goals. Someone has to have the direction of where to carry the family, right? Where the family is going. Someone has to be the responsible one, the decision maker, and the one that the consequences are put on after those decisions don't work out or if they're not followed directly, as we saw in the garden with Adam and Eve, right? And keeping with the order of creation, man was created first, then the woman was created from the man. Adam was given the instruction of how to tend to the garden and rule over all the creatures that God created, right? So we will follow the order as it was given to us. Wives, do it as to the Lord, because when we are doing anything involving anyone, we are always doing it unto the Lord, we're not doing it unto our husbands. When we're actually following what our husbands say to us, we're actually following as unto the Lord. Now, here are the instructions given to the husbands in Ephesians 5, 25 to 33. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sacrifice and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nurtures and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. None, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. 
husbands, love your wives. Now, if that command was carried out, a woman would and could easily submit to you. Now, I'm going to use the most primitive example for this one. I'm going to use animals. And the reason why I'm using animals is because that's what God created in the beginning. He had Adam and he created the, the creatures of the earth, right? You train an animal. If you show that animal love, it would not stray, right? It won't leave from you. It could be a stray in the street that you pick up. But if you show that animal love, that animal will look at you like you are the best thing in the world. Now, if an animal can respond in that manner, how much more would a human being? More so, how much more with a woman or your wife? If you love her as Christ loved the church, willing to give up everything, speaking the word into her life so that she knows that she is loved and wanted. Why do you think there would be any other promise? Why do you think that there are so many promises in the Bible? Right? There are so many promises in the Bible because God knew that we humans needed to have constant reassurance that he was there, that he was with us, that he was always with us and would always be with us, that he loved us. Man is the image of God, right? So if he's the image of God and man seeks reassurance from God, then of course the woman is going to seek reassurance from the man, right? He has to show himself to the woman that he loves her for her to feel secure in being with him, right? But then at the end, at the end, Paul says, in the end, the woman must respect the man. And it specifically says, let the wife see that she respects her husband. Meaning that everything that he stands for, she has to show respect, right? Because showing respect to him is also showing respect to God. Now, the definition is, the definition of see means to discern and deduce mentally after reflection or from information or to understand. So we could just as easily read that scripture as let the wife discern or deduce mentally after reflection that she respects her husband, right? Now, can I tell you something? This only works when both parties recognize who God is, what he stands for, and what he expects from his people. It's not going to work when you have an ungodly household, but want to hold people to the same rules of a godly marriage. I'm just saying, when God put together man and woman to represent a family unit, he did not mean for his vision to be skewed. He gave each of them their instructions. And they were to follow what was given to them. Marriage is nothing to take lightly. And it should be explained not only from the church's perspective when couples want to go to the pastor or go to the priest when they want to get married. All these things should be explained throughout the lives of the children as they are growing up so that everyone has a clear understanding as to what they are about to embark on when they choose a mate. 
right? I'm just saying, you can't start. It's like when you, here we go, like I always say. When you're raising up your child, you have to start rearing them from birth. You can't start at 13 to start giving children instructions of what they should do. It has to happen over the years as they're learning. Same thing as when you talk about marriage or choosing a mate or who you want to be with for your life. All those conversations should take place in the household at the appropriate time, at the appropriate age, of course, but all those things should be filtered in, sprinkled in. Not when you get ready to find someone and then you're just, oh, I'm 30, let me figure out how I'm supposed to understand Matt. Really? No, no, that doesn't help. And we see with the divorce rate, that doesn't work. I just wanna say something to make myself clear. This family situation is very complex and by no means am I trying to minimize the importance of its, of its existence, right? It's only that with today's lessons, I'm dealing with the family unit as a whole unit and the basic commands associated with that unit as put forth by God, right? Because there's so many other avenues and so many other directions that we can go into talking about family and who's who plays what and what a family is. And I'm just dealing with family as it is given to us in the Bible. And that's how we're looking at the family unit today. So now we're going to move on to talking about the apples, right? And that's the children. And we get our instructions there for them in Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Okay, here you have it. That was the holy grail of parent-child relationship. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And when Paul says that the first commandment, he is referring to the 10 commandments, but this one came with a promise. It was that it will be well with you and you may live a long life if you honor your mother and father. That's interesting. Almost like saying, if you don't listen, you're going to die. Right? That's exactly what it's saying. Because if the first is true, then the opposite is also true. Isn't that how it works? Sometimes we have to think about what is being told to us and not just what is being said, but what is not being said, right? Because with every blessing, what is the opposite? There is a curse, right? And that's why God said in Deuteronomy 30 from 15 to 20, A, C, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, 
And in that, I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I will announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. And there you have it. And the reason Paul had to reiterate all of those instructions is because, drum roll please, man, man, had abandoned them when they were cursed and still abandons instructions today. Listen, Adam had no time to love on Eve, right? He was too busy trying to tend to the land to produce food because of the curse, right? So now he really had to work in order to survive. Eve didn't respect her husband because she was walking around saying to herself, right? All he does is work. And if he was paying attention to me in the first place, we, I would have never been talking to the serpent. Children are not obeying their parents, right? Cain did what he pleased, regardless of what Adam and Eve told him. Abel was at least trying to follow. Does that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like life today? One big mess. Oh, but for the blood of Jesus. And because of him, we have an opportunity to get it right before he returns. So people, let's work on getting it right. Choose life, people. Choose life. And with that, it's time for us to take a music break. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is time for the part of the show that we call Op-Ed. And in Op-Ed this week, there is just there is just so much going on in the news. It was just so hard to pick up anything to really talk about because so much is going on. But I'm going to keep it really light because I think it's best when we keep it light unless I have something that's really, really going on. So I want to talk about, of course, our star of the show, which is always COVID-19 and his Delta friends. And now I hear that the government has approved a booster for everyone that is vaccinated, fully vaccinated, that eight months after your second shot, you need to take another shot. I I don't know what all this means. I don't know, you know, how you're going to get it. I mean, I guess you just go like where you got your first one or whatever. I'm not sure, but I know they did approve it. And now they're saying that everyone who has been fully vaccinated should take a booster shot because the variant is out there and it's really hitting people. Even with the vaccine, it's hitting them as well. And you just need more protection. So my thing, as I always say, my PSA for COVID as usual is if everyone just wears their mask, I'm not saying that the mask is better than a vaccine. What I am saying is the mask will help you not ingest the particles that are in the air when people are talking and sneezing and carrying on. And we're getting ready to go into a winter season, summer is almost over. And that's when colds and flus and everything else is going to be, you know, floating around. So we need to protect ourselves. And for those who don't want to take the vaccine, you definitely need to wear a mask and continue to wash your hands and social distance. But enough about COVID-19, because you know, I always speak about it every week anyway. But What surprised me this week, what I heard in the news is American Airlines said that they are going to ban alcoholic beverages on all their flights. I was like, what? I said, that's just like when they ban smoking on airlines. Now they're banning alcohol. And you know why they're banning alcohol? Because people don't know how to act. Why can't you just get your five bottles Sit there, sip and listen to your music or watch a movie or go to sleep. Why must you have a drink and want to cut up at 35,000 feet up in the air? And then you wonder why they want to duct tape you to a chair. Nobody wants any of that chaos while they're trying to get to their destination. But I don't know what you people are going to do but they're banning alcohol. And if American airline does it, 
I wonder if the rest of them will follow. I have to look that up. I'm not sure if the others have followed, but the only one I heard was American, but I must do some research. Not that I fly anyway, because I, and you know why? See, and this is, it proves my point. This is the reason why I don't fly because of that nonsense that people do. And I used to always tell people, oh no, I'm not flying. I said, because if something goes on up there and I can't get out, I'm already claustrophobic. But then the fact that I can't get out and they want to act crazy, now that would be worse than the plane coming down. But now I might think about getting on a plane again, just because they don't serve alcohol anymore for people. So now they're going to have to go to sleep, but I hope it doesn't make them even more belligerent because there is no alcohol, but you know, you can never tell with, you know, people here in America, you could just never tell. And what else is happening? Uh, I think that's all that I have. Just those two things that, oh, and everything that's going on in Afghanistan. Let's just pray for that side of the world because, you know, it's unfortunate and there's really nothing I can say about it because it's just so much. It's just so much going on, but it's so much going on everywhere. People pay attention to the signs. There's so much going on everywhere. There's stuff going on here. There's stuff going on in Europe, stuff going on in Africa, stuff going on in China, stuff going on everywhere. Pay attention to the signs. And with that, that ends our session of op-ed for this week. Now our word of the month, because we still have another, another Sunday to go after this one, but our word of the month is authentic. And our promise for this month, well, not for this month. I don't know why I always say this month. Our promise for this week is coming from Isaiah 54, 13. All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. So that's something that you can take with you about your children. And especially since we were talking about family yet today, right? So with that, I say everyone enjoy their Sunday. Wear your mask, <laughs> wash your hands, social distance, and until we meet again next week, God willing, peace.
what you want, feel you up. Sky is the limit, and you know that you keep on, just keep on pressing on. Sky is the limit, and you know that you can have what you want, feel you up. Sky is the limit, and you know that you keep on, just keep on pressing on. Sky is the limit, and you know that you can have what you want, feel you up. Sky is the limit, and you know that you keep on, just keep on pressing on.
Say, Lord, I... 